Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to a live episode of the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Sex Shaped. I hope you're there. I hope you're out there and watching. I think you will be because my guest tonight is a very, very popular member of the rugby family. She's played sevens, fifteens. She's back into clubland. She played at Melrose Sevens at the weekend. She works for the School of Hard Knocks. She is a proper role model for everyone. And she appears to be a brand new member of my family after last week's events, which uh, I'm not massively sad about, although... I don't really need another daughter that takes all my pennies. So let's waste no further time because it's her you've come to see. The one and the only East Lothian's finest, Megan Gaffney. Hello. Oh, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Totally underwhelmed by the whole thing. <laughs> so um, you've been tearing your flat to pieces. Um, yes, I was trying to find an angle where it didn't look like I'm living in a cave and couldn't find one. But at least it's not bright red anymore, because that's what it was until Monday. So this is progress, believe it or not. And are you doing this yourself, just to make it even more annoying that you can do everything? <laughs> Ish. Um, it turns out, um, DIY, everything takes a lot longer than you think. And it, also, I'm not that great at concentrating for that long. So <laughs> this has taken quite a while. Um, but got it all off. Just need to get the plaster in now. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can do plastering on your own. That's a so, really that's that a proper my job. Said. My dad that's, did say that. So that's a proper tradesperson job. Yes, yeah, so if there's any plasterers out there that want to come and give me a hand. I know one of the finest plasterers, Mr. Samurai, Fraser Hartness, is a plasterer. Okay. Well, he's he's the man. He also makes a, he also makes a bucket hat look miles better than I do. Great. He's, he's he's quite the man. Right, I'm going to get in touch with Herky. So, Megan Gaffney, retired from international rugby. What's that all about? You're just a puppy. No, I'm not. I'm quite old. Been around a while. And, um, yeah, it just felt like the right time. Um, a few different things coming together. And it wasn't an easy decision, but an obvious one. Um, and I'm enjoying retired life retired life you seem busier than you've ever been right let's let's rewind the tape a little bit to the world cup because that that was just spectacular it was such an amazing thing i know results didn't go the way you wanted them to go but to qualify in the way you did 
Um, you know, there was lots of things in the way to make it difficult. And as a group, you overcame that. But to go to a World Cup in New Zealand just feels like almost perfect. Yeah, definitely. And I think for Scotland women to have not been there for over a decade and then, as you say, to qualify the way we did, um, I kind of thought I was going to be part of that generation that didn't get to go to a World Cup. I think I figured it out. Um, and between the last World Cup and this World Cup, there's over 70 people that have been capped for Scotland who haven't had that opportunity. So I feel incredibly privileged to have represented Scotland on the world stage and to do it with such a great group of girls as well. And as you say, playing rugby in New Zealand, nothing can top that. Um, and to play against New Zealand as well in front of their home crowd experiences for a lifetime. Yeah, so let's look at how you qualified. So you had this weird kind of thing that you had to go through in Dubai and Sarah Law, cool as you like, slots, classic slaw, slots the kick. Um, And the, I mean, did, did you just have utter faith in her? Yeah, so the whole thing, I think there is about six different qualification things that kept getting cancelled because of COVID. And we're almost at that point where it was like, oh, is this happening? And then the World Cup got delayed a year and it just seemed to be ongoing. And to live for over a year, just being like, we need to be ready to go. We don't know when this qualification is coming. We need to be ready. To finally do it was just such a release. Um, to win against Ireland the way we did, who Ireland, it's always close with us. So it was nice to be on the winning side. Um, but in that moment, there is nobody else in the whole world I would rather to take that conversion than Sarah Law. She's done it many times for Scotland before and she doesn't flinch, doesn't flinch. And um, there's this really cool video of like front on when she takes the kick and before it even goes over the post, she's smiling because she knows she's nailed it. Um, and honestly, that's one of my favorite moments ever on a rugby pitch, watching her take that kick. Nothing to do with me. It's just amazing. And even now, talking about it, I'm still smiling. Yeah, here's my back of my neck standing up because when that kick went over, Edinburgh were playing at home at the Dam Health. And there was just this little beautiful pause in play. And I got to announce the final score. And I left a huge delay to what the Scotland score was. And the play, you could hear a pin drop. And when I announced it, the whole place just went, crazy it was so cool to have you know you were thousands of miles away but people properly care now it it wasn't always the case you must have found you must have come up against that because you've been involved for quite a few years you must have been there when people told you they didn't care yeah I was talking about this with my mum the other day actually and we were joking about how we used to play at last wade and we couldn't fill the stand at last wade and that was only 10 years ago and now we're filling out stadiums and there's people all over the world watching us and it's been such a big change but it's due to the girls and the product that we're providing we're playing good rugby now we're good athletes we're winning games we're competing in world cups commonwealth games and it's just so much more visible and it makes it easier for fans to get involved when it's right in front of you when i was a kid i used to get up in the middle of the night to watch the british lions in new zealand Last summer, people were getting up in the middle of the night to watch Scotland women play games in New Zealand. I mean, that's it's travelled a million miles in a really short space of time. Did, did, you, did you appreciate that when you were away or were you just focused on the job? Um, I was definitely aware of it. I'm When I'm kind of in competition mode, I tend to shut down a bit from the outside world, turn off social media, um, just so I don't get overwhelmed by it. But like the texts that were coming through and messages from home. It was really special because when you're on the other side of the world, it's a different time zone. You've got no idea what's going on. Um, but to know that there was people getting up and supporting us was incredible. Yeah, it really was. So you get to New Zealand and you couldn't really have imagined what it was going to be because none of none of you had been there before. So everyone was brand new, even those with a lot of caps and those that you took without any at all. It was brand new to everyone. Yeah, and the staff. None of the staff had been at World Cup, so, yeah. It just looked 
everything that obviously social media is just a tiny little distorted window into the world, but it looked like a group of people that loved spending time together, doing things that they were really good at and enjoying it. And I still think the women's game at the moment, you're able to see that you're allowed to enjoy it. Whereas sometimes in the men's game, it seems to be, you know, they have to have poker face and they're not allowed to be seen to enjoy it, but it looked like an absolute riot. Yeah. And social media, what you see is pretty much what we're like. Um, We're a group of 30, two 33 women that went away for six weeks together and I don't think there was any falling out liar absolute lies I'm not having that Rona Lloyd's ukulele caused hassle don't don't try and (laughs) brush over that um apart from that but generally (laughs) um we knew we're, we're there to do a job but we're also aware of the experiences that were um there for the taking and the off-pitch stuff was great. We got to do so many cool things. Um, we had one group that went um, whale watching. I don't know if you've heard about that. That was a bit of a no. disaster. No, I didn't um, hear about that. Come on, what so, happened? So they went whale watching when we were in Auckland and didn't see one whale, but I think about half of them were sick. Loads of them felt they were never coming home. It was like a really bad weather day and it, the whole thing just seems like an absolute disaster. Um, so while they were doing that, I was on a speedboat, which was much more fun. Um, but we got to learn about the New Zealand culture. We got taken to uh, Iwi and met um, one of the Maori tribes. And the things we got to do, we had a big bonfire on the beach. And you're doing this all with your best friends. And it's just... when, when you went to the Marae, it looked really cool because you were there. You were involved in proper Maori traditions and then you hit them with a little bit of your own it it just looked yeah I know it, it <laughs> maybe not quite so traditional but it just looked like you were soaking it all up yeah you've got to like these things don't come around very often um and the New Zealand culture is so welcoming and everyone we met was so happy to see us and apparently everyone in New Zealand has Scottish ancestors yeah you know? <laughs> but yeah and as I say just to be able to do it with like my favorite people in the world makes it even more special and looking back on that time it's not all going to be about the rugby there's so many other things that went on and that are just going to be memories for life yeah and and you did pretty well as as a personal performance I know the results of the team didn't didn't really live up to what you were hoping for and probably some of the goals that you set but personally it was a decent showing and yes and no so Obviously, that first game against Wales, um, managed to get a couple of tries, which was great. I love how you play that down. <laughs> you scored two tries in the World Cup in New Zealand. Come on, give yourself a bit of credit. I know, but like that's your job as a winger. Like that's why I'm there. If I'm not scoring tries, then not much use. But um, that's true. Uh, but yeah, but then post that, I then wasn't selected for the next two games, which was probably some of the toughest rugby experiences I've had. Um, and that, like, I was quite sad about that for a little while, but, you know, it is what it is and moving on now. I think results-wise, um, to be so close in two games is heartbreaking, but to if you really look at the bigger picture, like, to push those top teams that close is a huge step forward for us. Um, a few years ago, we would not be competing, and here we are losing games by a couple of points. So the next time this comes around, we know that we're perfectly capable of taking those games and making out the group. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is something you've spoken about. I'm I'm going to go for this kind of boring, obvious question. But as a group, you know how much I admire this group and, and I, I love to support this group. But you are role models for not just the next generation, but I think a couple because you're the first ones to go to a World Cup again. You've been on the seven circuit. There's a whole load of people now looking at you and thinking, I want to do that. You didn't have that. How does it, two bits to this question. How does it feel to have people looking at you as that role model? And then who were yours? And so it still feels a bit strange because I just think of myself as this girl that plays rugby, like, 
little bit of an idiot sometimes <laughs> like loves life and likes to have fun and then you forget that what you're doing and because you're just in this sort of like rugby bubble you forget that there are people watching you and what you're doing is like helping people um when I do speak to some of the young girls that are playing and they like tell you oh I was watching you I seen you do this like I want to be you and then it really hits home you're like oh god okay like this is making a huge impact um and I know that there are a couple of girls out there that are playing rugby because I've met them and I was in their life and that's so special um and I love that that they are getting the same enjoyment out of this sport that I always have um when I was younger I th so this is how old I am I think I started playing rugby like five years after the first Scotland women's team was formed and so women's rugby wasn't really a thing Although actually in primary school, one of my teachers, her daughter played and she was the first woman to score Trout Murfield. So wow. yeah, Sharon Brody. But I'd, I'd never oh, met I her. Know Sharon. Yeah, I never met her till I was a lot older. Um, but I used to do a lot of athletics. So my um, role models were Kelly Holmes and Paula Radcliffe. I thought I was going to be the next Paula Radcliffe. Um, but I think I was quite lucky when I was growing up because of my mum and she was really encouraging of my sporting career and would kind of drive me around all these places and show me all these different sports and get me involved and stuff so I was quite aware of women's sport even if it wasn't rugby um but it turns out that you have to be quite fast and fit to run a marathon <laughs> probably not for me <laughs> so why rugby then how, how did that start and this is this is a question that sometimes I feel stupid for asking because I don't tend to ask it to the men that come on to this. But it is still a thing for players of your generation. Why did you choose rugby above all those other things? Um, so I started playing rugby in primary school when I, I think I was about six. Um, and I come from quite a small town and there just there wasn't that many team sports on offer, um, particularly in the winter. And I was... I was quite a shy kid but I was really like active and loved running around um, and there just wasn't really an outlet for that um, so my mum actually started this club in the town North Berwick and it was um, it was called Girls Club and it was about just getting girls into sports we do things like catching running kicking a football all that kind of stuff which was great because there wasn't really much else going on but I already knew how to do that because she was my mum and I was yeah, I just had this like competitiveness that I couldn't really feed. Um, and there was football or rugby and my brother played football. So obviously I wasn't going to do that. Um, <laughs> so it was actually my mom again, who took me down to the rugby club. And I just like, I can't really remember, but I definitely remember the feeling of like, I can be as competitive as I want here. I can be as rough as I want. I can run around. I can, you can get dirty and nobody's going to be scared of that. Um, as sometimes happens with girls at school. So yeah, and I definitely, like I was quite quiet, but it didn't really matter. Like the boys just took me in as one of their own and yeah, played all the way up to high school and then had to step away because there wasn't a girls rugby section at that age. And I just luckily a teacher came to um, North Berwick High School when I was 14 or 15 and started up a team again. Um, so I joined that and have played ever since. So definitely if it wasn't for Suzanne Ritchie, um, I don't think I would have got back into it and played to this level. And then club club rugby takes over and you get involved and, you know, you were part of, a, again, another group that just seemed to love spending time together. And that, that's a bit of a theme through your rugby career. Yeah. Um, so I... Um, started playing for one days Murrayfield Wanderers when I was 17 um, and it was a bit of a shock to go from small town North Berwick to um, an adult sports team but it was so much fun and again women's rugby community actually the rugby community in general is so welcoming and they definitely look after the young ones um, and I was lucky in that team there was loads of Scotland internationalists so I was learning all the time from the best players in the country um, and they have like sort of like this sisterhood they would do anything for each other and 
when you're in that from such a young age, like that's the norm and that's what you encourage any other team that you go into to be like. And that that team, you had current Scotland internationals, a heap of future Scotland internationals, a pretty decent referee uh, or future referee. And you were you were doing lots of good things together. Were you there because you wanted to play for Scotland or were you just there because you loved rugby? Um, I think at that point, I thought, oh, it would be cool to play for Scotland one day. But when you're training alongside these Scotland players, you're like, oh, maybe like that's quite far away. Um, before that, I had been in the Scotland under-18s um, and sort of had a bit of a taste of it. But I was really raw, um, just was quite athletic, quite fast, um, didn't really understand the game, but loved the contact. So it seemed to work out. Um, but those first few, three years, I was at one days, I learned so much. Um, and then I moved to Hillhead and that was a bit different because I became a bit more of a leader in that team. Um, but yeah, it was good fun and so fond of those one days memories. And the, the Scotland experience must have travelled a million miles from when you first got involved to playing a World Cup in New Zealand. I mean, it, the resources available when you first went in weren't allowing you to perform to your best, I think is maybe the polite way to put it. Was that the sort of thing that just brought you closer together? Yeah, like when I try and explain to young girls on the Scotland team now what it used to be like when I was their age, it's like I'm talking about another world. Yeah. Like we used to have to hand our kit back at the end of the season. Um, I remember my first cap. Um, it was just like a bit of a non-event. I don't actually remember that much about it, which is quite sad. But I do remember like flying back straight after the game and going to the library to finish an essay because it was just like, oh, that wasn't really a thing. Um, in terms of the quality of the staff we had, like the staff we have now are world-class and they will do anything for you. They're on call all the time. Um, and even things like um, when I got my first cap, I didn't actually get a physical cap till at least a year later, I think. And I just sort of given to you at a training camp, like, oh, there you go. But now they make a big deal about it and you get it presented in front of your friends and family, which I think every cap, like so much goes into it. And it's not just the player, it's the family, it's the coaches, it's everybody else. So for them to be there to share that moment is how it should be and I'm glad that we've moved on in so many ways yeah it, it certainly has who do you look at that you've played with in that sort of journey that you've had in Scotland who do you look at and think they're the real deal that I've like in the past or going forward now just in the in that time who do you look at and think they're a proper rugby player they should be a professional or they are what a professional should be um, so I never actually played with Scotland with her, but Sarah Gill, um, she is one of the best players I've ever played with. And she did all that while training to be an orthopedic surgeon, which I, if you think about it, is incredible. Um, Lisa Martin, we kind of came through the ranks together. Um, she, I remember we were in under 18s and I was always like, oh, hopefully I'll be one, one day I'll be as good as her. And so to get to play alongside her for so many caps, um, it's good we work together now is that actually um rona lloyd she brings something completely different <laughs> in so many ways yeah. um but she um she's always pushing and she's so keen and she she's somebody that really brings a team together with her ukulele you love it or you hate it but she does that and i think you need somebody like that on every team to really drive that culture so like as Scotland, we've never suffered really from cliques. I know other teams do, but and we haven't. And I generally think Rona is a huge reason behind that. Um, Sarah Law, just Sarah class. Law, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Class. and everything she does, everything. I was sharing a room with her, um, and she does not stop. She thinks about rugby all the time. She's always analysing. She's always looking at training she's looking at things we can do better looking at weaknesses in their team things the coaches don't even notice she's picking up um and i think the future is so bright with the likes of emma or shona campbell um fran who's just 
just come in and to play like that in your first two caps is outstanding. So the future is really bright. Who then, this wasn't the question I was going to ask, but I'm going to ask it. Who's going to become a coach? I see, you know, the Black Ferns have now got male coaches. People are saying, where are the female coaches? Um, you know, England are about to look at a new head coach. It'll be interesting to see what way they go down. I don't think any woman wants it because they're a woman. I think they want it because they're a good enough coach. Who do you look at in the Scotland squad and think their future is in coaching? Um, definitely Sarah Law, just because she understands rugby like nobody I've ever met. Um, Molly Wright, very technically good. Um, she has played rugby in a lot of different environments and her way with people is so good um who else probably helen nelson because i'm talking i'm naming all the towns maybe because i think they understand the best <laughs> um who else um uh, lindsay smith who i played for where well, played with for years um she's just come back into performance coaching yeah um, she's going well yeah she's great as well um I don't think I will. <laughs> no? That. No, not yet. I don't like talking about rugby that much. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're on the podcast. <laughs> no, but you know, I'm like, I like playing it, but not that. I don't know. Maybe maybe when I've had a break from standing in the cold, I can go back yeah. to it. But, um, but I love, do you mean like, playing on the wing, standing in the cold, or do you mean watching standing in the cold? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> playing on the wing. But I really enjoy um, like working with people that have never played before. Um, and just getting them excited about the sport and um, all the little details I'll leave that to Sarah Law. So that that takes us into this bit then so you're saying you like working with people that haven't played before where are you getting your kicks for that so you can tell us a little bit what you do as a job? Um, so I work for School of Hard Knocks which is a social inclusion charity and we use the values of rugby to help people take positive steps forward in their lives so we have two different programs. We've got an adults program and a schools program, and they work pretty similarly. Um, adults is for eight weeks, but the schools program lasts a year. And basically we have three sessions a day. One is playing rugby, learning the rules. Um, and we use rugby because of that sort of controlled contact, controlled front confrontation. Um, and also the values are so strong around teamwork, respect, um, dedication, um, Things like when you get knocked down, you get back up. You never go straight forward. You always need to do a bit of a sidestep. All those kind of things. Um, we also do team development, um, team sessions where you have personal development things. So things around confidence, managing your emotions, um, maybe more practical skills with adults. We do a lot about um, employability, so interview skills or how to write CV. Um, with the young people, it might be things like sleep and nutrition and how important those are. And then the final thing we do is one-to-one um, -one mentoring, just to make sure that everyone we work with has that constant in their life, somebody that they can rely on, because these people, they don't often have that. The kids that we work with have different issues. So a parent might be in prison, they might be a young carer, they might have their own mental health issues. And so it's good to have somebody who's not a teacher, who's not a friend, they're in the middle um, and they're there to look out for you. Uh, with the adults, it, we often have people who have maybe just been released from prison, who are suffering with um, addiction issues, who have lost their job and they're just lost all their confidence. So again, to have somebody to help them pave the next few steps is just so helpful and I love it I actually work in operations so I don't do that much of that stuff anymore <laughs> but to be part of a charity like that and um, it keeps everything in perspective and when I was playing sort of in the top level if things didn't go well yes it hurt and it was upsetting and frustrating but I was able to rationalize that quite quickly and be like it's okay this is what other people are dealing with daily so the fact that I dropped that ball in the game is not the end of the world so and again you, you hit it again you're you're working and trying to be an elite level athlete things things must have to be put on hold to to live your life like that but you must love it too to to put all that time and energy into it yeah definitely and 
I always think about it as choices um, rather than sacrifices because nobody's making me do it. Um, I've wanted to. I quite like living my life like that. Um, I think being a female athlete, you put so much on hold. So things like my career, if I didn't play rugby, I'd probably be a lot further along and earning more money. Um, I would have chosen not to have a family till this point because I want to play rugby. Um, all sorts of different things. And I think you kind of underestimate how much it's not just about choosing not to go out at the weekend it's like you're actually making these life choices um I've always quite enjoyed working alongside it because as I said it keeps things in perspective um but it's so exciting that that now doesn't have to happen and um, that those girls on contracts and we're moving towards that more professional game did you talk about that as a group did you did you talk about putting life on hold a little bit did you talk about we need to enjoy this did you you know there must have been moments in in rooms when you're away on tour and you know people are feeling a bit vulnerable and low and you know they they need someone to that understands the situation to talk about is that something that happened or am, am I making it sound worse than it is no definitely I think everybody in the squad is slightly different in terms of what they want to do and what their journey's been so We've got some, a um, couple of girls, so Rachel Malcolm and Molly Wright have come into the squad when they were already very set in their career. So Molly's a physio and Rachel is Dr. Rachel Malcolm. Dr. Um, Rachel Malcolm. Dr. Rachel Malcolm. Um, so they're, they know they've got that to go back to if they want to. And we've got myself and Sarah Law probably quite similar in that we've, we've done this studying. We know kind of where we want to go after rugby. But up until this point, we've definitely prioritised rugby in terms of put career things on hold. Um, and then you've got the slightly younger generation who have been, um, they've always had that sort of semi-pro opportunity. So Chloe, Lana, um, Tomo, not huge amounts of money by any means, but it's definitely not been work and rugby on top. There's been a bit more of a hybrid thing. And now you've got that young generation that are just, coming spoil bloody exactly. spoil <laughs> the no but it's just so it's like that's the way it should be and again it's not huge amounts of money we're talking about but it's if you're coming in that this is the same kind of money you could be earning as hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market new graduate so you know it's starting to level out a bit and it's not it doesn't have to be a huge financial strain and, and you, not not only work and playing rugby but you you were involved in the seven squad and the 15 squad and sevens you know you don't play at home everything's away mm -hmm. that must have taken even more juggling and balancing but the opportunity too good to be true yeah definitely and I think actually in a way we're quite lucky in Scotland that right up until last year we were getting the opportunity to play both and um, quite a lot of countries went down the route where you have to choose um, but that did mean that you would play all year round you wouldn't really get a break wouldn't really get any pre-season you were just going 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 um, but yeah as you say like you're not going to say no to it are you? especially if you get some sunny trips out of it. Well, you, you didn't. <laughs> so summer became sevens because you were qualifying for things and it was a way to to keep on the circuit. Um, 
where's the strangest place you know that you would never have thought they were going to play rugby in where have you been um we went to ukraine actually in 2019 which at the time was strange um but looking at what's going on there now and so we competed in Kharkiv, the city that's had all the bombing and you see it on the tv and you're like we were there only a few years ago and it's one of these trips that you always talk about because it was so weird like everything was just a bit bizarre so like it's got really fond memories of being there and all the laughs that we had and we um performed pretty well so to we also ended up in a karaoke bar yeah and um, so like there's that going on but then you think oh like none of that's there anymore and it's so sad um where else hungry been there but not budapest the town outside budapest with we played on like a pitch with gravel on it that was good um where else have we been it's amazing to no, think that Norway. you've been to places where you know even world famous rugby players could walk down the street and nobody would have a clue where they are and then yeah. you play the world cup in new zealand where the whole place knew that rugby was in town you you are you going to write a book i mean your experiences <laughs> are so vast sevens 15s on tour world cup it, it's a pretty cool story yeah, and I actually quite like going to the places where nobody knows that much about rugby because, you know, the people playing there love it so much. And um, I actually spent a summer in Sweden just after I finished uni and um, got to know quite a lot of the national team girls. And um, when they had a national camp, they they weren't provided with travel and accommodation. They used to all bring sleeping bags and sleep on the club room floor to so that they could attend this camp and they they had to chip in for their flights to tournaments and at this point they were the league above scotland in the sevens and i just remember thinking like you guys love this so much like i feel like i can never complain about anything ever again and um, and again a bit like with my job it just sort of keeps everything in perspective and i would never stop fighting for more for women's rugby and pushing but there's definitely a bit inside me that's like we have it so good like let's really appreciate where we are and there's a lot going on Claire Cruikshank has been away and coach Sweden Louise mm -hmm. Dalglish is in Japan there's there's people going away to get more experience would you like the opportunity to go and play somewhere else for a bit before you properly hang up the boots um yeah yeah I would but I've also done it so I spent that time in Sweden I lived in New Zealand for a year um I've been all over playing social sevens so I've, I've done quite a lot of it um if the right opportunity came up i wouldn't say no to it but um at the moment i'm definitely in want to transfer out of so much rugby i also need to get a shoulder operation so i can't really commit to too much at the moment and you need to finish decorating that flat oh my god no i've been here for over a year and this is as far as we've got <laughs> Uh, I, I feel I feel your pain. I'm I'm not a lover of it at all. I've got a very understanding father-in-law who is good, and I just make his tea. Makes me feel very inferior. But um, yeah. I love There's him. There's just so many other things I'd rather do. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So now you're back in clubland. You must have players in the changing room that love playing with Megan Gaffney. Have you got anybody picking your brain and asking what to do and where to go and how to do things? Um, I'm probably telling them without them asking. <laughs> Can't stop. Um, no, it's been really good fun. So when I came back from, well, when we finished the World Cup, I did a month sort of traveling around and met Molly's family because she grew up in New Zealand, which was really cool because I don't know when I would get another chance to meet them. Um, and then went out to Fiji for a bit. Um, and then I took the whole of December off because I was just, Bit overwhelmed by everything probably quite burnt out um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do contract wise um, so I just took that month to sort of sort my head out and then come January came back and got into Harriet's and it was just so refreshing to live 10 minutes away from the club I was playing for to play with these girls that just loved rugby and were so keen to learn and there was no pressure on the games it was just about enjoying rugby for what it was performing the best we could and um, I really love playing with Emma Orr she's so exciting and she's so talented and she makes me feel so slow um, <laughs> but 
like she's she's quite she doesn't know how good she is she's um, so. properly humble and has mm -hmm. ridiculous farmer strength yes both of those things <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to play with her and give her she doesn't need to be told what to do but to be able to give her just little bits of encouragement and remind her that just to trust her gut um, I enjoy that and it's nice to be back playing with Annabelle who I've played with for a very long time um, so it's just I'm really enjoying it and um, there's so much young talent in that team and you don't kind of want to over overwhelm it you want them to figure out who they are as players but if anybody ever wants to ask me anything I will try my best I'm not great at anything other than being on the wing so quite a specific area of expertise but no I'm really enjoying it and Harriet's as a club are brilliant they're so they're probably the first club I've been at at Scotland that are really pushing forward the women's game and want to treat it equally and um, we were playing at home at the same day that uh, one of the men's teams were playing at home and we played on the first 15 pitch and the men played on the second and I was like, I don't think I've ever been at a club where mm. we've been allowed to play there ever let alone when there was a, a men's team at home so yeah I'm really enjoying being there and uh, it's, it sounds like you're happy and then you get to have a run around at Sevens and you got to play at Melrose the weekend. Did. did you enjoy that, even though the result didn't quite finish the way you wanted? I did. It was just such a lovely day, wasn't it? It's sunny. Um, I definitely need to like <laughs> switch off the international Sevens brain because not every tournament is going to be uh, like that. But it was great to be back out on the pitch and to be in front of so many people as well. For Melrose to commit to putting on a women's tournament rather than just a game is um, a step in the right direction. And they're sort of keeping up with the changes that are going on in Scotland, Scottish rugby in general. Um, I really loved it. I forgot how fun Sevens was. Um, I had last summer I had a bit of an injury nightmare. So I actually only played a couple of games. So to be able to hopefully this year get a summer of sevens under my belt will be will be fun what is it you love about that invitational experience um I love just turning up and meeting people and um, figuring each other out and I'm not a big fan of structure I just quite <laughs> like doing what feels right um and yeah just seeing what other people are about and the chat is all it just makes me laugh um, you know as soon as you go into a rugby team there's going to be people similar to you similar values hopefully a similar sense of humor um, and there's nothing better than sevens I don't think have you got a target on your back because you're Megan Gaffney uh maybe I don't know I don't really notice stuff like that <laughs> it's quite like just in my own little world most of the time um if people want to that's fine but it doesn't bother me at all um I'm not did your as team just as did your team just want to get it to Megan? Was that was that a tactic? Just chuck it to Megan? <laughs> if it was, it didn't work. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I think like I just that's not the point of it, is it really? It's not about one person and I would hate to think that people thought about me in that way. Um and I think sometimes if you play it like that, you're worse off because everybody's that's what people are expecting. Um so, no, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. If a 17, 18, 19-year-old player comes up to you and says, what do I do for, for the next step? Should I go to England? Should I go to New Zealand for a year? What, what do you suggest? What sort of advice do you give? So you're, I know you're playing down your role by saying, I only know about playing on the wing, but your experience is is unique in the club game there's not many back in the club game who have played sevens 15s been to world cup i know hannah smith's back and and charging around but there's there's not many of you if if any more than the two of you that i'm aware of so if someone comes up and says what do i do next megan what what's the advice would you give them i think it's a tough one i think the women's club game in scotland at the moment is needs a bit of a shake up um, but that's probably not going to happen with one or two players. Um, the best rugby league at the moment is um, England. 
but you just have to weigh up like what is your goal is it to play for Scotland is it to enjoy it is it to like really learn your craft or is it to get minutes um I always just wanted to play rugby um there was times where the focus was Scotland but there was times it was just like that was my ticket to explore the world um so I would never I would for a young player I would never tell them to turn down an opportunity because they wanted to play for Scotland and they felt like they needed to stay here um I think playing with as many different people under as many different coaches learning different ways of playing and different ways of understanding the game is only going to be an advantage to you I think if we have every single player that plays for Scotland only ever plays in Scotland like that's there's it's just not broad enough um I've really enjoyed my time in New Zealand I've felt tiny really tiny <laughs> um, but everybody there whether they are playing for the Black Ferns or they're just playing kind of social club rugby they can all catch they can all pass they can all tackle they're all really fast and they're all super strong so to be in that environment and being pushed every single time was great for me and to try and keep up with the way they play when I came back I felt like I sort of saw the game differently and I think I'm better for that experience um so yeah I think it's about figuring about figuring out what your goal is um, and you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. How, how does it work then in England? How, how does a Scottish player end up at Exeter? How does a how does a Scottish player end up in you know playing for Loughborough? I, I mean, Loughborough has got a massive Scottish contingent <laughs> at the moment. How how does it work? Is it oh, I know someone that would be good that I'll go and tell the coach or? Are yeah. they coming up over the border watching games and saying I'll have that that player and that player? A bit of a bit of everything, I think. Um, when I went down to Loughborough, there is a huge Scottish contingent, but when I went, it was I hadn't planned it at all. I wasn't looking to go there. Um, I just got a phone call from the coach, and they were short of wingers, and when I like to come down, and um, so that was quite a simple one. But I think that happens when you're quite established. Um, I know that other players have sort of sent highlights reels to coaches um, other ones it has been word of mouth um, I know some coaches will get in touch with Brian and say like have you got anybody who could benefit from this experience all sorts of different ways um, some people go to uni down there and sort of filter out that way um, yeah I think it, you just have to put yourself out there and make it known that you're up for that opportunity and get to know the way it works, get to know people and yeah. There, there must be quite a lot of players who are lacking that confidence to do that though. And it, and it will still feel like a massive leap of faith to go from club in Scotland to what is a not a kind of semi-professional league in, in England, depending on where you go and who you're playing with. That that's, will still feel like a massive jump for players. Yeah, definitely. But I always think like you can always come back. If it doesn't work out, you can always come back. It's not forever. You're not, you know, you're not signing your whole life away. Um, and you just like you can't play rugby for that long. So you just have to take these opportunities when they come up. Um, and if it doesn't work out, you can you can change. It's you, you know, it's not a lifelong commitment. Um, but you do, you really just have to put yourself out there. And I think there's, if you're playing in Scotland, there needs to be that understanding that people probably aren't going to come and look here for players. So if you want to make a big difference, you need to, you need to take on that responsibility. Uh, we've got a question from Gail that I'm going to ask before we talk about <laughs> Six Nations. Gail says, do you have any pre-match rituals? Oh, no, I'm going to sound so boring, but no, I don't, <laughs> because I was, I was I'm worried if I've got all these rituals and then I can't do them someday for whatever reason, um, then I'll just like lose my head. So I, your like, ritual I, is you don't have any rituals? Maybe. Um, I switch my phone on um, airplane mode when we get on the bus. I used to do that, just, that was that, Um listen to some Scottish tunes on the bus, but I would always have one headphone out just in case someone wanted to chat because I quite like to chat as well. Um, not really. I'm just quite chilled. Just 
I'd let people do their thing. If someone wants to talk to me, I'll talk to me. If they want left alone, I'll leave them alone. Um, I used to always take my headphones out though when I got off the bus so that I could hear the crowd because that's not something you get every day and probably never going to get a crowd cheering for me again. So oh, it's good to have those memories. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Six Nations, uh, it's it's been a tough start for Scotland. Can it get better? Definitely. I think it's been a tough start, but um, first up, you've got England, who are number one in the world. Um, and then you've got Wales, who are coming off the back of a really successful World Cup campaign and a good win against Ireland. Um, if you look at the Scotland team of the last couple of weeks and the Scotland team that have played the last five years, it's really different. Yeah. There's lots of new names, some big names missing. Um, so it's going to take a little while to to gel for people to find their feet. Um, but the Meryl Smith on her Class. fourth cap or something, fifth cap, playing like she's got 50. Um, Fran on her first cap against England didn't show any fear at all. Um, you've got Corinne on the other wing who's been outstanding for Saracens all season, scoring her first try. So it's not it's not like it's bad rugby being played. It's there's so many positives. And um, France is going to be tough. It always is France away, but unreal experience playing in front of a French crowd. And we've got Italy and Ireland at home, so. I think they're both games that we can win. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. England are, at the moment, in a different league, aren't they? They're not untouchable, but they're they're absolutely flying. Did you watch the Welsh game and have your head in your hands sometimes at that moment or that decision? Or was that a tough watch? Or are you able to relax and just enjoy? Um, I didn't know how I was going to feel, actually. I went to the game and... Um, it was when the anthem was playing, I was like, oh, this is a bit strange. But actually, once the game was playing, I was fine. And I think I generally did not want to be on the pitch. Like, I, um, that's why I stopped, because I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I think there's nothing on there that I would have done differently. Um, I trust those players that they're going to make the right decisions. You know, there's a couple of errors that happen but that happens in any games it just so happens that one of them led to a try and but like the girls know that they don't need some somebody sitting there going well you should have done this so <laughs> I trust them I know that they've got it in them and they're gonna put out great performance against France and then build towards the last two games I watched the England game last year next to Debs McCormack who has been finished for a little a little bit of time, but she jumped in every line out, she made every tackle, she hit every ruck. I thought she was going to pummel me at one point. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I loved seeing her in the studio. I think she's great in the studio, but sitting next to her at that England game, I thought, yeah, she's struggling to let this go. But you've, you've kind of let it go. Yeah, I think that was really important to me to finish on my terms. Um, and... During that month, um, when I came back from New Zealand, I was—I did not want to train. I didn't want to do anything. And I was like, I've never felt like this before. I normally love training. I love rugby. And I was like, this just feels really weird. I don't know what's going on. Then come the new year, I was like, right, I'll get back into it. And I was like, turn up at training. I was like, I don't want to be here. This is such a chore. And I generally, in like, however long I've played, I've never, ever felt like that. And it was a bit weird. I kept trying to make changes to be like, oh, okay, maybe this is the problem, this is the problem. And then I was in the Thistles team and we were meant to be going to Belfast. And I said to Claire Crookshanks, I was like, I can't, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I feel like I'm going to make a fool of myself. Like, I don't feel like I can, like I'm the same player I was a few months ago. And I think at that moment, I was just like, that's me. Like, it's too important to do without being fully invested. And I wanted to be, but I was just... I was just done. I think I was just completely burnt out with it all. Um, so I feel very content that I made the decision. Nobody pushed me out. I wasn't injured and I've achieved everything, well, more than I ever thought I would. Um, and I've got enough going on in my life to uh, keep me busy. And weirdly, like I haven't missed it at all. Um, obviously, game day is the best day and that's why you play. Um, but that's what, 10 days? out of 365 and 
I've always been a big believer in you can't guarantee the outcomes so you have to enjoy all of it and I just wasn't enjoying it so it was pretty simple at the end of the day simple brave but simple I, I love it I love your honesty um looking at the squad obviously they're missing a few you've mentioned MOR already you've mentioned Meryl Smith you've you know both wingers Chloe Rowley is something else isn't she she just like she's a magician she makes something out of nothing she gets through gaps that aren't there she never seems to like in the 78th minute she's still sprinting up the other end of the pitch yeah she's on really good form at the moment um she's exciting and i think she got a bit of a, a fright during the world cup when she broke her arm but to come back so quickly from that and to be playing the way she is she's been in amazing form for loughborough as well and um, yeah she's exciting and it's good for the t the two wingers who haven't played a lot of international rugby to have somebody like that to yeah. sort of guide them through and show them how it's done. <laughs> and and the back row and forward pack are missing, you know, three big hitters, uh, Was, Bonner and, and Jade. But if you were if you're gonna be backed against the wall, you'd want people like Evie Gallagher, Rachel and Rachel in your team, wouldn't you? They just are relentless with the way they play. Yeah, and I think um, we're now at a stage where we are missing people, but that's not a disaster in the same way it was a few years ago. We're creating that depth now, and that's probably what we've been missing over the last few years. You know, we've got a strong team, but we're only ever a couple of injuries away from a bit of a disaster. Um, but, you've, you know, you've still got Louise McMillan in there, who's been, I don't know how many times she's got player of the match for Saracens so far. Um Lindsay O'Donnell, who's starting for Bristol in the Prem. Like, there's quality players in there. They're not the biggest names, but they're there. They're doing their job, and I'm not worried about it. And Lana Skeldon is just from a different planet, isn't she? Yeah, so we got our first caps on the same day. Um, yeah, Lana. That's, that's not much she can say. She just does her job hard, hard as nails. Yeah. Hard she's... as nails. She's class. I love Lana. She was she was on here when you came back from the World Cup. She came on the pod and and was Lana, and she messaged me after and went, "Oh, I hope that was all right." In typical sort of Lana fashion, yeah. and she was she was class. So a, a realistic outcome come the end of the Six Nations. Do you think a, a home wins against Ireland and Italy is realistic? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Italy post World Cup were doing a bit of rebuilding, and um, they had a few of their. Um, experienced players retire um i haven't seen much of them actually but ireland they're for the taking they are they're also real rebuilding i don't think they're in a particularly happy spot at the moment and um, just with the article that came out today and um, they will be out there to prove a point but i think scotland are just building slowly and um, they've got faith in their own ability and it's just that belief in the last 20 minutes, knowing that that game is there and just grinding it out. The blue shorts, is there? Is that something that you think is important? Have you spoken about it? Um, so obviously Scotland play in white shorts as well. And we have had discussions um, and nobody has raised in our, in our squad, nobody raises it as much of an issue. Obviously, if people feel differently, it would be addressed. But... In all the years that I've played, a lot of the time the shorts have been white. Um, it's obviously an issue for female athletes, but um, Scotland are very good at discussing these things and making sure everybody has a voice. And they have um, sort of like a player rep group. So everybody in that squad has somebody that they can go and talk to about stuff like that. And anything that's an issue is brought and everybody gets an opinion on it. So if there was that feeling, it would definitely be changed. Look into your crystal ball and tell me, women's rugby in 10 years' time, what, what will it look like? Um, I hope that we have even more players on contracts and for more money, so it's an actually a career path rather than just you know getting by. I would love if we had semi-pro or pro teams in Scotland. Um, I think at the moment it's actually quite hard to live in the country you want to play for and get that quality and the 
the game time you need. Um, it would be cool if there was the Celtic Cup grew to sort of like a Celtic league to mirror the men's. Um, and yeah, and uh, Scotland are going to be selling out stadiums. Nice. And and Megan Gaffney in 10 years? Probably still painting this flat. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. Guy Freighter, who's a mate of mine, has messaged to say, I know a good painter and decorator if she's interested, but Guy is <laughs> Guy pretty much runs Gala, so I think you might have to pay some transport there, but um, Guy, Guy knows a painter and decorator for you. Brilliant. I'll take all the help I can get. <laughs> See, that that's one of the downsides to being that elite athlete now you're back in the club game it's time to start making i always feel that rugby clubs are like the yellow pages so uh, oh i know a joiner oh he's an electric oh he's a mechanic he she's going to do that she can sort you out with this you need to start asking some questions in the changing room i don't know but harriet's we've got like a lawyer a forensic accountant um, a yeah vet. but they're paying people you see they're paying people to do their decorating for okay, them they must okay. know some people okay that can be my job for next week yeah that's that's the way to go megan it's been an absolute joy thank you so much for joining and going live too because you were a little bit nervous although we've now done three or four of these things and Every time you tell me that it's weird and you're panicking and then you perform. Yeah, I know. I definitely forgot that this was live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Don't worry. But we, were but we didn't with Lana we needed a bleeper, but with you we we didn't need a bleeper. No, no, no. I think my mum's watching, that's why. <laughs> yeah, you were you were very well brought. Mum made me laugh the other day when I saw her because she said that she was gonna be a drilly, but she never really finished that story. <laughs> she thought about being a PE teacher and then but she yeah. she got you sorted yeah and like some of my earliest memories are watching her play hockey and she used to come and referee the hockey at school and she would take us to athletics tournaments all on top of her insanely full-on job um so definitely if she wasn't my mum I don't know where I'd be I'm very appreciative of her yeah she's quite a lady she is a force of nature is <laughs> Megan's mum <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you very much i'll see you soon see you later bye class absolutely loved that she is back who knows where she'll end up and things seem to be going well in the women's game we certainly hope that we can finish in scotland with those two wins but who knows what's going to come it's going to be a great weekend in the women's six nations tune in and get involved get your fantasy team uh i need to pick mine still not seen the scotland france team yet so i can't pick them yet but uh i did really well week two week one i was poor very very poor if you've enjoyed it you can catch us on apple acast and spotify tell your friends subscribe leave us a review share it all those good things the pod will be out on monday and you can watch again on facebook and on youtube in the meantime my name is bruce Aitchison from the happiness is podcast and my happiness is egg shaped see you all again very very soon Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.